Our first reading today comes from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell, we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. The word of God. filling in. I don't know where Miss Sharon is, but I think we should all call her this afternoon and check on her. Is she out with her girlfriend? Hmm? All right, that's good. I'm glad she's okay. Our second reading comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Israel, long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nair, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed, and the Lord drove drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. 
But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The, the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statues and ordinances for them at Shechem. God's word for us. As I was reflecting on this past week, I realized it held a culmination of a number of events that hold a significant impact on our history and community and our world. For the state of Virginia, it was an election week. This week also held the one-year anniversary of the Paradise Campfire, where roughly 19,000 buildings were destroyed, 95% of the town of Paradise was lost, and 85 people lost their lives. It was also the 30th uh, year anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall that divided East and West Germany. And last night was the 81st anniversary of Kristallnacht, when anti-Semitic mobs led by SA parliamentaries went on a rampage throughout Nazi Germany and synagogues and Jewish homes and businesses were all destroyed. And Jews were subject to humiliation and were arrested and where at least 91 Jews were killed. This has been a big week. And that we should allow ourselves in it to take the time to reflect on it, to take note of our history and our hardships and our healing. To see that we are still moving forward and to take note of how far we have come. Our Hebrew Bible lesson this morning also does that. It's reflecting on a, the story of God's people taking inventory of their own experiences, of genuine community, of shared memories and thankful spirits, and it sets a scene. And there is deep-seated emotion and powerful commitment in this story. 
Joshua gathers all of Israel to join together. The leaders, the officials, the military brass, and all the people to come and to present themselves before God. And then Joshua begins to talk. Imagine, if you will, there are people that Joshua has known all of his life. And they're all gathered there. Warriors that he has fought with, families that he has laughed and cried together with, perhaps an old woman whose sons had been lost in the battle, and even a troop of young folks who are filled with energy and anticipation about the future. The conquest and hardships were pretty much past, and a bright future loomed before them. And Joshua must have thought of the time when Moses had turned leadership of this whole nation over to him, and he shook into, in, in his boots until God reassured him that he would never walk alone. And now Joshua is at the end of his journey, just as Moses came to the end of his and he would deliver his last sermon to the people and ask them to commit themselves to God as Moses had gathered the nation before him. His heart must have been full as he began. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your ancestors. And then he recounted how God had blessed them. When our hearts are full and the blessings of God are so evident, when we gather to celebrate our convictions and our community, our spirits cry out, God is great and God is good and God has brought us from nothing to something and we have been blessed beyond all that we deserve. Through Joshua, God says to the people, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. The point was very clear. Though it had taken generations, the promises of God are certain and faith in God's promises is, as the writers in Hebrew says, the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. That is, if God promised it, it's as good as done. And having gathered and having remembered, the central issue arises to the surface. Now, therefore... The central question that comes to the gathered nation of Israel and that comes to us as a community of faith today is who shall we be in light of what God has done? Who shall we be? I think it's important to pause here to consider 
the in light of what God has done. What has God done for us? What has God done for you? What has God done for me? To name what God has actually done for you, for me, for us. Because what happens is we get bogged down with our day-to-day and our busy schedules and our football games and our jobs and our kids and our housework. We actually forget to look up and notice what indeed God has done. And then... When a bad day comes along or a bad season, well, that no good God hadn't done anything for me lately. Well, that no good God let you wake up on the sunny side this morning, so that's something. At the beginning of the year, a friend of mine gave me a mason jar accompanied by a pen and several sheets of small paper. And on the top of the jar, she wrote, Holly's Gratitude Jar 2019. Her gift to me was the opportunity to write down all those moments to be grateful, so that if I'm ever having a bad day or season, I can reach into my jar and pull out one of those slips of papers and very much proclaim, this is what God has done. As for 7th Street Christian Church, we have a long, rich past. Nearly 190 years from our first roots as Sycamore Church to our former building that actually was on 7th Street to our building today, where we have helped servicemen and women during World War II, where we have a phenomenal outreach to Liberation Veteran Services, to Meals on Wheels, to Acts, to Bright Beginnings, to Caritas, just to name a few, plus some fabulous music. But now, 190 years later, who shall we be in light of what God has done? And this is no easy question. And Joshua wants no lip service. He drives the point to his congregation by hammering home the idea that God alone is their strength and their source of life and that there can be no waffling in a commitment to God. Put away any other object of worship, he proclaims. God is absolutely jealous of your ultimate affections. And you cannot have a little bit of God when it suits you and then do whatever you want until your next big need comes along. And the people cheer with enthusiasm. Yes, of course we will choose God. But Joshua variously questions the people's sincerity and their profession of faith or doubts, their ability to keep their promises of loyalty. He almost cajoles them into their commitment. But we ought not to forget the context of this covenant scene. 
They have now entered the land. The promise made by God has been fulfilled. They have experienced the Lord's faithfulness. They, in turn, have often been rebellious and doubting or afraid. Their firm assurance has a hollow ring to it. Yes, there is truth in their statement about what the Lord has done, but is there any certainty of what they pledge? Surely we can relate of having good intentions but lacking the follow-through. How many times have you said that you would do something and not follow through on what you said? How many times has this happened to you? We all do it. We commit to something and say, we'll take care of it, and we put it on our to-do list and then never think about it again. Or we have other things to do that simply become more important. Our intentions are good when we accept the responsibility, but our follow-through stinks. When we do it, we might experience some feelings of guilt at our forgetfulness or feelings of burnout or being overwhelmed that when we realize we've just taken on too much. And when others fail to follow through for us, we're frustrated and angry. But we're probably not always surprised. If we translate these scenarios to our relationships with God, our response are telling. When have we made commitments to God only to fail on the follow-through? How many times have you made a promise to God that for one reason or another you have not kept? How often do you find yourself responding to God when you had already told God no? Probably we have more examples of saying yes and acting no than saying no and acting out yes. The question I struggle with is why? Why do we do this? Why do we lack on the follow-through, both in our human relationships as well as our relationship with God? Is it really a case of good intentions gone awry, or as we want to believe, or is it something more at work here, something deep, deeper issue emerging? As one theologian puts it, us humans deceive ourselves into believing that saying yes is like accomplishing half of whatever we've promised to do, as if the promise is something of value. But it's not. Sometimes a yes is sleep-inducing. The failure of follow-through creates a long way back to the truth. The truth is, a no, an honest no, possesses far more promise. A friend of mine shared that after voting... He walked out and was met by a woman who asked him if he wanted to serve as a party poll worker. He quickly responded, no. Not because he didn't want to, but because he had a lot of other responsibilities. And he realized that no is a complete sentence. And that he can't do 
everything. And he can't serve on every committee. Even if he wants to, his no held much more promise than honestly a half promise yes. The world is quite inclined, even eager to make promises, for a promise appears very fine in the moment. It inspires. Yet for this reason, the eternal is suspicious of promises. So this is why Joshua is so passionately hesitant to believe their answers. And herein lays the heart of the matter. Have the Israelites really grasped what loyalty to God is about and requires of them? They entered into the covenant at Mount Sinai, and Moses reminded them again of their obligations before entering the land. But is that enough? The passage today suggests not. There is a firm reminder here that at each stage of the journey with the Lord, there will be forces, strong forces, which will lure even those who have seen those great signs to pursue less faithful paths. Although community is central to the life of God's people, there is still a choice to be made by each of us. Joshua knows this, and it is in this last sermon he asks his people, his family, his friends to renew their covenant their ancestors made to God. Joshua knows that our parents cannot make the choice for us. Our brothers or sisters cannot make the choice for us. The choice is not made for us by some kind of osmosis just because we come to worship or go through the rituals. There is a choosing of God that each of us must make for ourselves. So what will we do in light of what God has done for us? Have we really grasped what loyalty to God is about and requires of us? We cannot be considered Christians because our parents were Christians. We are not a church just because we attend worship or say we are 7th Street Christian Church. We are Christians and Christ Church because we choose to be. Because we choose to renew our covenant to God and to each other. Because we intend to be changed. Because we choose to leave here and let God mold us and shape us and make plans for us. Because we choose to let our actions reflect Christ's light to the world. I want us to be careful of the words we say and the promises we make. I like it when we pray together and lift our voices to God together and come to worship together. But today, instead of just going through the motions and promising lightly with our lips that we will be changed, I want us to look at ourselves. Do we intend to be changed? Are we really going to leave this place and let God mold us and shape us and make plans for us? What will our actions, our living say 
about us. Joshua lays out the choice for the people. Revere the Lord and serve him faithfully. And then he expresses his choice. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And as for you, who shall you be in light of what God has done? 